You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of all the money in the world. You carry a gun, Mr. Chase? I never bothered. Ruins align your suit. You used to be a spy. My child is a prisoner. $17 million. Oh, they will take his eye, his ear, the hand, and don't tell me you don't have the money. My former father-in-law only buys the best. It's time for you to do whatever it is he pays you to do. Let's hope you're half as good as everything else he's bought. You need to pay the ransom, Mr. Getty. I do not have the money to spare. No one has ever been richer than you are at this moment. What would it take for you to feel secure? More. More. I'm gonna find your son. Every threat. Unless that threat happens to be me. Paul, I just want to go home. Paul. I didn't hire an ex CIA officer just to pay people off. I hired you to do things that other people can't or won't do. Be willing to walk away. He's my son. I can't walk away. I don't think this is about money. It's about power. Power. Business. Terror. Tell him I'm coming. Alright everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for All the Money in the World, and the story is as follows. All the Money in the World follows the kidnapping of 16-year-old John Paul Getty III and the desperate attempt by his devoted mother, Gail, to convince his billionaire grandfather to pay the ransom. When Getty Sr. refuses, Gail attempts to sway him as her son's captors become increasingly volatile and brutal. With her son's life in the balance, Gale and Getty's advisor become unlikely allies in the race against time that ultimately reveals the true and lasting value of love over money. It is starring Michelle Williams, Christopher Plummer, Mark Wahlberg, and Romaine Duras. It is directed by Ridley Scott, written by David Scarpa, and joining me for this review, I have Deanne Chiazese. Hello, Matt. Hello, everyone. Okay, so Deanne, uh, this was the last film that I saw for 2017, mm-hmm. and I was very excited because obviously I think by now those that are listening to this know of the behind-the-scenes story revolving around this film. It was already kind of a shocker. Like a lot of people weren't aware that this was coming late in the season. A new film from Ridley Scott, who by the way previously earlier this year did a big movie called Alien Covenant, and he shot this film very very low key. Like I said, not many people knew it was coming. Starring Michelle Williams, who's coming off of a big year with Manchester by the Sea, uh, got an Oscar nomination for that, and was also starring Mark Wahlberg, who obviously is one of the biggest stars in the world, and a guy known as Kevin Spacey, who, judging by the first trailer for this, when we all first saw it, we all thought, wow, he's under heavy prosthetic makeup. He looks like he's giving a transformative performance. This could be an Oscar player. I don't know. Maybe potentially. 
And there was definitely a lot of intrigue surrounding it, for sure. The marketing really, really emphasized that it was like Kevin Spacey as John Paul Getty. And, you know, flash forward, Spacey's an asshole. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) And he's no longer in the movie. Ridley Scott, the ball's on this man. To then pretty much say, I'm going to recast him with Christopher Plummer, who, by the way, I just want to make it known, was my first choice, but the studio wanted Spacey. That's neither here nor there. I'm going to reshoot all of the scenes with Christopher Plummer, re-edit the film, redo all the sound on it, and so on and so forth, and still make the December release date for 2017 for Oscar qualification. I I I gotta say, you know, the behind the scenes story of this is to me more fascinating than the film itself. But we're not necessarily here to judge the behind the scenes. We're here to judge the final end product itself. So, Deanne, with all of this said, what did you ultimately think of all the money in the world? Yeah, I thought, um, as far as just the movie itself, everything else aside, that it was a perfectly entertaining film. Um, I enjoyed myself. I um, was definitely interested to see where it was going. I thought it had some, you know, kind of flashy director choices at times that kind of stood out to me that I liked. Like the black and white? Yeah, yeah. I like some of that stuff. And um, I just, yeah, I just, I found myself being like, yeah, okay, this is, this is a perfectly fine movie. I I wouldn't say it's, you know, a top of the year for me by any means, but um, I certainly enjoyed myself. I mean, it was impossible not to obviously focus on the Christopher Plummer piece. I just, there's no way not to. And um, I thought that was um, really interesting to kind of see how that all came together. And I thought it was effective and I thought he did a great job. Um, And so that's where I'm at. It was just perfectly great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm with you on this too. I think it's a fine movie. It's not Mm -hmm. something I would say is like one of my favorites this year or even like one of the worst I've seen this year. But it's like just somewhere in the middle, you know, if you watch this movie and you don't know the behind-the-scenes story and you're just watching it as is, it's okay. It hits a lot of very familiar story beats. I would say the most interesting aspect of the film itself is revolving around the concept of money and the value of it and the value um, of a human life set up against it. You know, how much is Getty's grandson worth to him? And this heartless bastard of an old man is perfectly played by Christopher Plummer, which is like the most ironic thing about all the money in the world is Plummer turns out to be, in my, in my opinion at least, the best part of the movie. Yep. Both in terms of the way his character is written and the way that he actually performs in the role itself. And I don't know if that is just simply because I was focused on him so, so much while watching it. You know, obviously to see with such little preparation involved and, you know, how quickly they shot all of this, how his performance would come through. But, man, I got to say, of every single aspect of this film, that was the one piece that worked for me the most. He is just such a... He is the worst in this. He is just such a asshole. <laughs> yeah, he's the worst and the best. I mean, that was well, that's my favorite part because it's this kind of morality tale, like you said, and it's a little bit over-dramatized. And, like, I didn't feel as much connection um, in terms of, like, how things were actually going to end up to uh, the character, the other characters. But he works as sort of, like, this Scrooge type, like, larger-than-life sort of, yeah, yeah, like I said, morality tale. That part was the most effective. And you know what? From an editing perspective, um, I thought all the scenes were perfectly 
weaved in. Yeah. You know, he had a lot more scenes than I thought he was going to have because I think they said something like he only shot nine days, I think it was. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, nine days, you know, how many scenes can that possibly be? Apparently the answer is a lot. And he's definitely weaved throughout the film so much so that even when he's not on screen, his presence is felt. And that's how you know it's a great performance. Um, I always like to think back to um, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, Mm -hmm. how every time he's on screen, you're absolutely riveted. And every time he's off screen, you're wishing for him to come back. That's how I felt about Plummer in this, basically. And his, like I said, his presence just hangs over the entire film. Right. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I I was also... um pretty happy with Michelle Williams. I yeah. I had some yeah, I had some expectation there cuz I was always one that was wondering if they went to all that effort with with um getting this pushed for her because was her performance that great that they wanted to make sure that she had every opportunity. And so I was obviously keeping an eye on that and she got the Golden Globe nomination. Mm-hmm. I thought she was fine. I didn't think it was excellent. Um I also was really underwhelmed by Wahlberg. Oh, well, I mean, I mean... he was just playing himself <laughs> and the character was Kind of dull. Yeah, you know, well, Mark Wahlberg as an actor is kind of dull. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a little tough. He does really well when he has to be um, put up against flashier characters than himself. Like, I always think back to The Fighter right. and how his performance now works so well because everybody else, everybody else around him was so loud and he was just quiet and internalized. And I thought that was, like, playing to his, his strengths better. yeah. And sometimes comedically too. For him, I I, I like him there. Too. Oh, you like him this as a comedic actor. Role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like Ted, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's really funny in that. Uh, but this, he's just playing like the straight guy that you know is the CIA operative that's trying to play cool, trying to be ruthless and negotiate. Even when Michelle Williams is allowing emotion to like get in the way of you know potentially getting her son back, and I just felt that. Every time Wahlberg was on screen, I just thought the film died a little bit more because I, I agree with you. I think Michelle Williams is perfectly good in this, and I don't think she's, you know, best of the year caliber. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's definitely, I would say, above average, at least. Yeah. Um, she puts on an accent. You know, she has to convey a lot of uh, emotions, obviously, as this woman going through a very, very trying period right now in her life. Um, one aspect of the film, though, that caught me a little bit by surprise and I was hoping they were going to go a little bit further with this in terms of uh, subtextual commentary the paparazzi in this movie like the Italian paparazzi is like just freaking relentless in how they follow her take photos of her they're like pounding on the car they practically have to run people over just to get her away you know what I mean yeah yeah that was interesting too yeah and just even like the way the press handled things as well like yeah kind of sensitive subjects that come up that she has to deal with anyway oh what did they say we'll pay you fifty thousand dollars to publish the picture of your son's ear right exactly you know and she's just like you know she's trying to get all this money together to pay off this ransom because christopher Plummer is not going to pay a single dollar of it i I, I, I thought every time Plummer denied, um, you know, paying the money and then you're seeing him buy another expensive piece of art or whatever the case may be, you know, and you're seeing other ways that he spends his money. It further made me hate the character and it also made me, you know, look at how fascinating of a character he really, really was. You know, uh, they established very early on that he's not a family man and clearly he's uh, living in... Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like an older generation where all he cares about is like the, the true bloodline, 
because Michelle Williams married into the family. So he kind of, I guess, cares for his son and for his grandson and the future generations that come with it. But he doesn't give a shit about her. No. And yeah. oh, it, it, it's just so like there were some gut punches in this that really, really stung. And a large part of that does have to tie back to Michelle Williams' performance and how much we uh, sympathize with her throughout this whole ordeal. Yeah, and I agree with you on Plummer too, in, in the way he delivered some of those moments, because you know it could have been, it could have gone for like really like dramatic and hostile, but it wasn't. There was like this smugness that he kind of, and almost like this little smile that was like happening behind his eyes or something that made it so menacing, like even more so than um, I think the other ways it could have been delivered. Yeah, there's definitely like a winking devil aspect right. to it where he's yeah. a charmer because yeah. obviously that's how he has to be 24-7 as a successful businessman. But at the same time, he's completely cold-hearted and ruthless internally. Um, and he totally gets what's uh, coming to him you know, in the movie as contrived and as silly as I kind of thought that final scene was for him. Yeah. Um, however, I did think the film itself ended on a very, very nice note. Um, I, I thought the final scene with Michelle Williams looking at uh, a statue of him was pretty well done overall. And once again, like that looming larger than life presence that he has and that effect that he has, even, you know, spoiler alert. I mean, this is a true story. Even in death, uh, he still looms over, over her as much as Plummer looms over the film. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, and her, she does a really good job with that delivery, like in her face, I think as well that I agree with you. I like that last shot. Oh, very much so. I'm very on board with the Golden Globe nominations that those two performers received. Ridley Scott, I think his Globe nomination is purely political. I really don't think it has anything to do with like the quality of the film itself. I agree with you. I, I was disappointed in that just because of some of the people who were left off as a result, you know. But um, I, you know, I, at the same time, I don't see him translating to Oscar season at all. No, um, not at but- all. But you know what was one other aspect of the film though that I thought worked? Uh, we, we, what's it called where you kind of have an attachment to your captor? Um, oh, um, Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome. There we go. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I really, really liked um, – what's the actor's name? Romain uh, Duris and mm-hmm. his uh, relationship that he develops with, uh, with the young boy that's kidnapped because obviously that presents uh, a moral – kind of a quandary there where that character as the situation becomes more dangerous he has to decide you know what does he want to do in order to protect this boy's life but at the same time he's also looking to get paid everybody everybody's looking to get paid in this you know one way or another um but deep down you know that he senses that he has done something you know truly wrong and i I thought that relationship uh definitely worked between the two to help those scenes in particular, where you thought this young boy's life was in danger, I really, really felt the emotional attachment there because of that relationship. Yeah, I, I like that as well. I will say, overall, I thought the runtime was a little long and that maybe there were a few areas where they could have trimmed it down. Oh, it dragged in the middle for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I, as far as my favorite scene by far, I will say, other than the end shot, which you mentioned, I really liked um, that kind of boardroom scene. It's the the latter boardroom scene where they're sort of finally coming into terms on um, negotiating and, you know, she kind of comes in expecting something and then her ex-husband's in there. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, God, I, yeah. That, mm-hmm. that to me was the most effective um, scene of the movie. I loved that. Well, because it's one of those gut punches yeah. that I was saying before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that, and it really, really sticks it to you. You know what scene did not have a gut punch that I was very disappointed by? And this actually hurt my overall outlook on the film 
uh, in the end. And that was the actual ending that takes place amongst the streets of um, of uh, uh, where are they again? They're in Italy, right? Italy, right? Yeah, the streets of Italy, and. <sighs> The, 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 I don't know, just something about that whole ending sequence with uh, Getty running through the streets and trying to get away and uh, Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg looking for him and the, the bad guys, you know, trying to find him and kill him. I didn't feel the tension. It, I, A, didn't feel the tension yeah. and B, it was anticlimactic where I felt like I should have had this huge emotional release right. at the end of it and I didn't. Yeah. I thought Ridley Scott botched a moment, I, uh, you know, and, I, and had he nailed that moment with a little bit more emotion and power in it, um, I think it would have worked so much better. You know, there's a way that you can cleverly use um, lighting, editing, camera angles, you know, you can use music. And I just felt like the moment that we're all waiting for with between Michelle Williams and her son, it just, I don't know. I was like, that's it. After right. all this emotion that Michelle Williams has kind of like built up throughout the whole movie, that's that's how they're going to do it. Uh, OK, get in the car, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm totally in agreement with you. I just could I, I also couldn't really put a finger on what was missing. But the things I cared about, the, sort of the wrong things in the movie, which was so weird to me. And, and to your point, some of those things that should have been really meaningful. And and what's even funny is I um, you mentioned the music. There was a couple times too that the score really took me out of what was happening, and what like one of them was like over almost using overly ominous music, if that makes sense. Like, and that was near like the end where I was kind of like, okay, this is almost too. I, I don't know. I just don't feel like it was earned in some ways. But and it's interesting too because Daniel Pemberton, who did the uh, score for this, mm-hmm. he's having quite a year actually. He's been he's worked on a number of films, and um, I would argue that. All of his film scores uh, that he did this year, including a movie that I really didn't actually like, King Arthur. Uh, but you was like the score? This. You've mentioned that, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I was definitely let down by some aspects of the film where I thought other aspects overall worked. Um, and like I was saying, the most important thing of all, I guess, was the theme of um, the theme of money, the concept of money. You know, sometimes I often think to myself, why does money have value? Why do we? put value on it. I guess it's because the government says says so. But there are times where I see money being exchanged, you know, here's a couple of dollars and here's this and I just say to myself, it's just paper. Yeah. Why is that why is that valuable? Yeah, I agree. And and that, that's what worked here. And I those were some of the best scenes. There's like a money room counting scene that like I, I yeah. thought was really effective. There's it's not necessarily money, but there's a scene where the newspapers blow around. Like it just it was mm, like I like that of, scene a lot. Oh, I did too. I liked it. It was it was a little over dramatic, but I liked it. And yeah. um, you know, and, and then obviously I think one of the things that was kind of effective was like uh, the small story that happens with Michelle Williams trying to see if she can get some value out of something. Um, oh, that was another gut punch. Yeah, and that, I, that I thought worked really well. Yep, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean it's a little inconsistent, but I mean, like I said before, overall I had a perfectly good time, and I think anyone will have a perfectly good time watching it. Yep, probably, probably so. Um, okay, so let's get over to final thoughts. Great out of ten, Oscar potential. Do you have any final thoughts, Deanne? I just, I, I just want to say again, I, I, I am definitely impressed, and I love the story behind this. I love what Ridley Scott did. I love the statement that it made. I love what it means in terms of setting a precedent for where we're going, and um, I think all of that is really exciting. And I just, you know, want to give that shout out again, even though. 
I'm not so sure he deserved that director credit. I am very, very appreciative of, you know, the decisions and choices that were made here. And I enjoyed the film. Um, I would give this a 7 out of 10. Perfectly fine. Good time at the movies. And as far as Oscar potential, I definitely think that um, Plummer is rising um, in terms of possibility for that Best Supporting Actor nomination. Um, it you know, as I look at that field, I think there's definitely some really tight locks, but I think there are a few people that he could potentially push out of that spot. But outside of that, yeah. um, that would be my only Oscar consideration. All right. Uh, for me, uh, I'm giving it a five out of 10. It's just perfectly in the middle for me where I have some complaints. I have some positive things. Um, I can't decide if I'm positive or negative on the film overall. So I'm landing right in the middle with this one. As far as Oscar potential is concerned, I agree with you, DN. I think Plummer is certainly on the rise. I, I have him in my lineup right now. Hmm. I think he's going to do it. I think it's the only nod the film's going to get, too. I know some people are talking about potentially it cracking in Best Adapted Screenplay. And I was looking at other aspects of the film while watching it, trying to decide if it would land maybe possibly anywhere else. Because I'm thinking, you know, the production design, you know, with these lavish uh, mansions and the and the Italian sets, I'm thinking, you know, possibly that could land costumes no editing oh man this is you know we talked before about the pacing a little bit the score and then it's like man you know just when i really think about it plumber is the only nomination that makes sense it will make headlines if it makes it because of how he just shot this uh, a month ago right. <laughs> you know and he got the Golden Globe nomination. You know, a lot of us thought it was a stunt move because obviously the Globe nominations happened before the film was released and anybody had a chance to see it. But now that people have seen it, I think that, I yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm a believer. I'm not saying he's going to win, but... I think that afterglow of, you know, previously winning for, for beginners, um, he's the old, I think he's the oldest winner, if I remember correctly, in, in Academy Award history. Uh, with this, he'll be the oldest nominee at 88 years of age. I could definitely see them, uh, you know, paying tribute to him once more with a nomination, 100%. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see what happens. Absolutely. All right, Deanne, where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at TweedledD33. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of All the Money in the World. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. I mean, Let's face it, I, I, I might just have to give you all, all the money in the world if you leave us nothing but five-star reviews. But what is money? Exactly. <laughs> Money's such an abstract concept, right? right. And, to, and to be clear, I, I, I have not. All right, everybody, <laughs> let's uh, get out of here. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar. 
and death of a sports star. This is death Ready. of a film star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.